There, there is nothing to writing. All you do is sit down at a typewriter and bleed and bleed and bleed. What's this? Bleeding Ink, a podcast for indie authors with J.S. Leonard. Hey, this is uh, episode 11 of Bleeding Ink, a show for wicked writers that yearn to triumph over the page, win fans, be heard, and make the universe just a tiny bit better. Tune in every other week to listen to remarkable writers and related creatives share their journeys through struggle and achievement. Available on iTunes and Stitcher. And please rate the show on iTunes and visit bleedingink.fm where you can sign up for giveaways and my mailing list that dishes out tools, tips, and updates for all your author needs. Now, wicked writers evolve like stubborn single-celled amoebas. They thrive in hostile environments tweak a gene here or there, produce more cells, and eventually grow a limb and go prehensile. They adapt. When I look for new interviewees, I search first for wicked writers, I hope this is obvious, and then I mine their successes and struggles for evidence of adaptation. By what twisted means did they achieve their success? Sometimes it's plain fortune, often it's a veteran cleverness empowered from years of dusting phoenix ash off of oneself. These writers stand against the impossible, persevere, and revel in the reward. And what greater reward can a writer possibly possess than over 100,000 consistent readers? Aaron Mankey is one such writer. His hit podcast, Lore, grew out of an obsession with supernatural fiction. You see, Aaron didn't find success with his first four books. Instead of abandoning the effort or continuing down the rut, he pivoted, sought advice, of a new medium for readers to consume his work and the rest is history he evolved like a nasty plague in this episode of bleeding ink aaron and i discuss what it means to be a modern writer what challenges and milestones lay ahead for us and how to tackle them aaron is a prime specimen of the artist patron hybrid this is fascinating stuff and will inform your audience growing strategies now and in the future it might just inspire you to pivot as well I also recommend you check out Lore if you love creepy, fun stories based on real-life events. Here's our interview. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Today, I'm so excited to introduce Aaron Mankey, my guest. He is the author of Lore, an extremely popular podcast um, that goes over the... Aaron, I'll let you explain, actually, how how that podcast is constructed. He's also an author of, what, five novels? Three novels plus a couple of short stories? I've got, yeah, I've got, there's three, three, uh, supernatural thrillers out there. And then there's like a fairy tale book. Yeah. We will definitely get to those. Okay. Anyways, thank you so much, Aaron, for being on the show and welcome. Thank you much. Glad, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So Aaron, just quickly tell me what's your story. What's, 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 what makes Aaron? (laughs) (laughs) Well, so I'm a professional writer. It's, it's a, a a title that I'm coming to grips with slowly, but I'm a professional writer. I write supernatural thrillers. Um, kind of in the same vein of what you might think of as like a Stephen King novel, uh, but most people know me from, uh, like you said, my hit podcast, Lore. Uh, it's uh, it's a narrative storytelling podcast. Uh, I explore the roots of like you know scary folklore and superstition, and uh, I do all that from the Boston area. I live out here with my my wife and kids, and uh, it's a good time. Yeah, it sounds that sounds great. So, um, what is, well, let, let's back up. Like, how, how, what did you start off as? You start being a writer. Or you said you're you're coming to terms with that title. Like, <laughs> wh- wh- where'd you start? 
I started out doing design work, actually. So mm. I, uh, yeah, I mean, about uh, almost a decade ago, I, I started doing freelance graphic design, and uh, and did that for you know, like I said, almost a decade. Um, and uh, you know, branding, you know, uh, UI, all that kind of stuff, print design. Yeah. I, yeah. I did it and worked for myself, worked from home, um, but have always wanted to be a writer. Um, and we can talk about more of that later. Um, but you know, that over the last few months, life has changed a lot for me. Yeah. Um, as I've transitioned from doing design work to becoming full time with with my podcast, which is that's hard for a lot of people to say they can do, and and yeah. it just means that I do a lot of writing. So I'm a I'm a professional writer. I write for a living. So I was on your website and I saw you have you had or have a company called Wet Frog Studios. Yeah, and and is that still and is that still active? So um, kind of, you know, um, that was my freelance design business. Um, what I've done at this point since I'm transitioning over to just, you know, full time, all of my energy and attention going to lore is um, if if a client that I've worked with in the past comes to me and they have, you know, like, hey, Aaron, I need I need to reorder all my business cards. Well, I'm happy to take care of that. You know, that's the, the final printed product, the stuff I like to take pride in. So I'll take care of that. If it's a brand new client who just met me, you know, through a referral, I'll connect them with a, another designer that I'll sub work out to. And, you know. The, the idea being that I can keep the design business warm, you know, in case yeah. the bubble ever bursts and I have to go back to design work. I, there's sure. a business there, so. <laughs> so, so you're 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 pretty much just you're done. You don't you don't even need to work on that anymore, do you? The wet frog stuff. I don't need it. No. Wow. No, that's it's gone. That's, yeah. That's awesome. So you said you wanted to be a writer. Okay. When you were younger, like what? How did you get into that? Like, was that from a young age that you want to be a writer, or how did that how did that come about? Yeah, you know, it was basically I would say 30 years ago. I mean, I was seriously in fourth grade. Uh, and my teacher assigned us all the project of writing a short story. You know, we, yeah. it, it's probably some sort of handwriting exercise, you know, to get us to write better and, sure. you know, write well. Um, and so she happened to assign this this project in October. So I went with a spooky Halloween theme, like any <laughs> fourth grade boy might do. I still um, go with those themes. I love yeah. those themes. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do uh, on a on a 52 weeks per year basis at this point. Um <laughs> So I've got this crystal clear memory in my in my mind. I can close my eyes and picture all of it. Uh, sitting in the back seat of my mom's car, um, we were going to the mall, which was like a huge trip because I grew up in small town Illinois. So it was about an hour away, um, and there was a friend of hers in the front seat with her, a woman um, whose daughter was in my class. So the four of us were together: me and this girl from my class, and my mom and her friend. And I remember having a notebook and a pencil with me, and and turning to the girl and saying, at some point, "I'm going to be a writer when I grow up." And I just like, it's just this vivid, vivid memory of, you know, this is what I want to do with my life. Um, and I, you know, I kind of wrote off and on for years through middle school and high school. It was just, you know, short stories and poetry and things like that. But mm -hmm. college and, and life after that sort of rubbed it out of me. You know, you get busy with uh, doing your degree and trying to earn a living and all that stuff. So it wasn't until maybe five years ago that I really, really picked it back up and started yeah. to, to really hone my craft. Because um, yeah. I was bad, so <laughs> I needed I needed a lot of help. Yeah, I, I think we're all bad when we first start, and it's, it's just a matter of persevering. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, did the was it the act of writing that that drew you in, or was it were there any authors that that you loved? Uh, for it was it was a lot of it was just the story. It was you know telling mm -hmm. the story. But I, I had I had um, you know people that I looked up to who wrote you know like when I was in middle school, it was the Lord of the Rings and the Narnia mm -hmm. books, and mm -hmm. had a whole big fantasy phase that I went through. Um, I spent a lot of time reading Edgar Allan Poe, um, you know, a, a master of creating a, a very distinct atmosphere with what he was writing. Mm -hmm. um, 
and and you know these days the last few years I, I pretty much sit at the the virtual feet of people like Stephen King and Neil Gaiman you know mm-hmm. both mm-hmm. both from the perspective of just their craft but also their business acumen I mean these are these are smart guys they they oh, know yeah. what they're doing you know um, and part of part of my leap in becoming full time with lore um, I can I can kind of blame on Neil Gaiman's wife Amanda Palmer she did that talk that TED talk um, that's Neil Gaiman's wife yeah yeah the Patreon girl. Yeah, like the, dude, yep. she's awesome. I had no, no idea she was married to, to Neil. Yeah, yeah, she's fantastic. And you know, her, the, the the huge idea behind her stuff is just ask people to pay. You know, ask people to support you. Yeah. Um, and it goes back deeper. You know, I remember almost a decade ago, Kevin Kelly, um, who's a I can't remember where he writes now, but he's he kind of writes in the the the, the tech world. You know, uh, the best uh-huh. tools for the jobs kind of stuff. But he he said, you know, the the goal should be to find your thousand true fans. Yeah. Oh and, yeah, that uh, was a Wired article. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was a great article. In fact, I'm going to link to that that article. Yeah, and I found it maybe seven or eight years ago through a post on Will Wheaton's blog, where he mm-hmm. kind of he quoted it, and then he kind of talked about his his thoughts on it and how he liked it. He didn't like some of the terminology, but he really liked the idea behind it. And it's always stuck with me since then. This idea that if you can get a thousand people to give you a hundred dollars across the course of a year, then you're going to make a really good living doing what you do, and they're going to get a lot of value out of that. And and when I heard Amanda Palmer talk last year um, in that TED talk. Just about how she she went from you know asking people for money, standing outside pretending to be a statue in a wedding dress, to asking people to fund her her uh, her new album. Um, it's just it was it was it was eye opening, and I realized that part of what I needed to do with Laura was just ask the community that was growing up around it to to contribute. So that's that's a long answer to um, uh, like book heroes and stuff, but <laughs> but but basically people in that genre. I just found it funny that Neil Gaiman's an author that I really look up to. I love his I love his work. Yeah, yeah. And and he's married to a woman who really inspired me to step out business wise um with what I do. So and you know, these are smart people. They understand um that people want story. I mean, Stephen King is really big on creating a connection between the reader and the characters. He he likes to say that um he doesn't want plot to get in the way of a good book. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants the characters to be built and build beautiful worlds and and I love that. So that those are the kind of people that inspire me right now. Yeah. Well, I think having uh, current day heroes is, is just as valid as having your heroes as a kid. In fact, probably even more applicable. Yes, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Listening. Um, but back to back back to Amanda Palmer though. She um just for for the listeners that, that don't know that don't know about that TED talk, I mean, go go watch the TED talk for one. Yeah. But two, she um, so she basically has this like punk rock like sort of orchestral band kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? And it's it's you know it takes a certain type of person to to listen to that kind of music. It's, it's great stuff. I'm not, I'm not knocking it, but it's not like popular, you know, stuff. Right. And, and, um, what's interesting though is, is, uh, you know, she got, she could launch to a label. She did, she did the traditional publishing sort of thing. If you want to make an analogy to, to, to books and, um, her album flopped according to their standards. It only like sold 25,000 copies, right. but she'd been touring. Right. And she'd like earned all these fans. And these were people that like loved her, like loved her. Yeah. So um, after that sort of fell apart, she went through her own thing and sought her own sort of uh, outlet and um, uh, did a Kickstarter campaign. Right. And um, she had uh, and she I forgot what the actual bid was, but she she basically earned like what one point something million dollars. It was oh, yeah. it was a tremendous amount of money um, to make her new project. And guess and guess how many people uh, uh, backed her thing. It was, was 25,000. And that was sort of the and I think I just <laughs> ruined her entire TED talk. I blew out. But but I mean, like that's. That's it. Yeah. You know, you, you just have those people and they'll support you if you're doing right. the right work. Oh, Absolutely. And, and the idea being that, that, I mean, look at how niche her, her style of music is and what yeah. she does. I mean, 
most people have never heard of the Dresden Dolls. Most people probably wouldn't like the style of music that she puts out. Sure. And that's cool because that's why there's all sorts of genres out there. But, yeah. but there's enough people, even in that small little place, who like the thing that she created that, that she, can, she can fund it. And that's, yeah. that's the power of... of I, mean, I think something like that would have died 20 years ago because there wasn't an internet to bind it together and bring these people yep. to one place. But thankfully, we live that place today. Yeah. Um, I recently interviewed Jeff Goins and he's sort of like in his new book, he's exploring the idea of, of art, artist and patronage and how artists have to become sort of like they have to seek their own patronage nowadays. And yeah. I think Amanda sort of represents an, an amazing model for, for, for like what could be, you know, right. Yeah. I don't think everyone's going to knock it out of the park like that, but I actually think, you know, if you look at your, I mean, we're going to get to your Patreon campaign later, but I, I you know, you're, you're doing well, <laughs> I mean, with the campaign and I've, I've known personally several others who are in the same ballpark as you know, how well they've done with theirs. So, I mean, this, this stuff is, is starting to turn around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it's very interesting anyways. Um, so, okay. So you did wet frog and, and 10 years of doing graphic design and, and you said, decided one day that I'm done or you'd, you'd written books during that time. And you were sort of trying to build your audience. Like when did you finally pivot and shift into trying to do a podcast? Like what, what, inspired all that man there, there was so many pieces moving and going into this um well, let's start from let's start from the beginning like when well, did you write your first book that you published so I, I i wrote a fantasy novel over the course of like two or three years that i self-published oh man it must have been four years ago or so it was bad it was i mean <laughs> I, I i sold a, a couple hundred copies of it you know and that's yeah it was all right, but um, <laughs> it wasn't good. I've actually taken it. Like if you went looking for the fantasy novel, you wouldn't find it on there. Um, right. I tried my hand at something a little bit more um, thoughtful and um, uh, friendly for younger kids. So I went with um, like a fairy tale type book after that. The idea was that I would eventually get back and write more books in the fantasy series. Um, and it, it just didn't connect with me. What I have written most of the time that I've been scribbling on the page has been scary story kind of stuff, creating mm -hmm. that Edgar Allan Poe kind of mood. And I think I was just afraid to jump into that. I think I was afraid of the stigma, you know, or the, um, I don't know, that, that, that somehow it meant that I had to be like an axe murderer in order to write these kinds of things. And I, <laughs> at some point I just decided normal people can write these stories and I'm going to do this. So uh, a couple of years ago I wrote my first, um, I, I call it a supernatural thriller. You know, it's a, it's kind of like a horror movie in a book. Yeah. Um, and uh, called Indian Summer. I put it out. Did much, much better than my um, my fantasy novel. And when I, you I'm say a big, much better, what do you mean? Um, instead of selling 200 copies, maybe I sold 300 copies. You know, that is much better. That's like yeah. 30 33% better. <laughs> now, from, from like the self-publishing standpoint, it's got to be said, I've spent nearly a decade as a print designer. So I do all of my own covers. And, yeah. and yeah. I do nice covers. I mean, people judge a book by their cover and mom was wrong. They do judge books by their cover. And if you slap it together in PowerPoint and think that you're going to sell your book on Amazon and hit the top 10, you're lying to yourself. So, um, I, I save money because I can do the design work myself. I've done lots of book layouts for clients so I can lay the, the words out on the page and do all that stuff, make the interior of a paperback look good. Mm -hmm. So my hard cost is my time essentially. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I wrote Indian summer, I put it out, um, and I do all this while I'm running my design business. And um, I, I wrote a second novel in the same kind of genre. It wasn't connected uh, called Consumed. And uh, I put that one out. 
And, uh, you know, the whole time I'm doing things like building a list of beta readers, you know, yeah. so every time a book comes out, I've got people to read it. You know, I've got some, at, at, at that stage, I wasn't hiring an editor to do anything really hardcore with my stuff, um, which is, you know, I've got to go back and, and fix some things at this point. But, um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, every time I'd write a book, I would notice that my design business would, it would tank for, you know, like a couple of months that I'd be writing. I write fast and I write very like I, I'll write daily, you know, two, 3000 yeah. words a day. So yeah. I, right. you know, like my, my most recent novel, Grave Suspicion, I'd say is like 90,000 words. I wrote it in 45 days. You know, I just wow. pounded every single day, seven days a week, at least a thousand words, if not more. And I just pushed through it. And that's what I like. But I also did that because I was working a full-time job designing. But about a year ago, I had just wrapped up. I think I had just wrapped up writing or I was, I was in the midst of writing, no, I started writing Grave Suspicion a year ago at like the, the, the turn of the new year. So we're almost mm-hmm. coming up on the one-year mark. And I wrote it fast, but I noticed that my design business would really, really slow down. So about a year ago, I, I, I took a part-time job. I was doing communications for a, a web development company, and I was just trying to pay the bills. You know, I'd been mm-hmm. running the business successfully for a very long time, and something was happening. I, what, I, what I noticed was, for no apparent reason, anytime I wrote a book, the work would slow down. Interesting. Um, you know, I wasn't out there marketing myself, so that that didn't mean that I was not marketing myself when I was writing. I I never marketed myself. I don't. It had something to do with my focus, and maybe some signs were being sent my way, like you know, you should stop writing. That, that's how I took it. And um, so winter this past year, like January, February, I decided I was going to give one last push and follow what all of those, um, um, you know, how to self-publish people like the put out there like grow your email list that's the thing let's grow the email list right um what's the uh right publish repeat yeah uh, yeah mm-hmm. fantastic book and that's one of the ideas in there build your list because it's the only way that you can connect with your readers and and i i still buy that idea um so i i decided i would make a giveaway i would i would take all this research from all these really cool supernatural stories that i'm bumping into and i like to dip into real world myths and legends and work them into my books and i had all sorts of great extra stuff so um, I started to write this, I don't know what I'd call it, like a white paper called My Five Favorite New England Myths. And it was just going to be five nonfiction pieces talking about, in a narrative storytelling way, these five historical things that I thought were really interesting. And I wrote and I wrote and I wrote in my spare time. All the time, I'm not editing the book I have just finished. And I'm really struggling with the idea that I should even be giving time to writing at all because I need to pour it into my design business. Mm-hmm. And the thing got big. I was going to write five of them. I got four of them written and it was at like 12,000 words already. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it was self-doubt. I don't know what it was, but I just decided that I wouldn't have time to read this if it was given to me, especially in a PDF. I, right. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm an audio person. I do podcasts. I do audiobooks. That's how I get my, my, my book intake into me. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, I guess I could, I guess I could record the audio of this. Like, you know, I could, perform it in a sense on on tape so i did i I read the first one i did that um you'd have to see my office to understand the problems but i I, my office is in the the third floor eaves of my house and all the walls are angular and weird and horsehair plaster it's very echoey and hard and there's no carpet in here and so the audio was bad and i i was like man i i need to somehow take the edge off this you know like like a bad photo on instagram i needed a filter that could kind of cover up the flaws so i threw some music in the background and i sent it to a friend and i said hey 
you know, I'm going to give this away, like a zip file with five of these in them. You think people would want this and sign up? And he said, hey, this is, this is really good. Yeah. You, should, you should put this out as a podcast. Could you do more of these? And I looked at my Evernote file where I have all this research, and I thought, oh, I, I could probably keep doing these for a while um, if I had the time. Yeah. And so I, I put it out. And uh, I just kind of skipped the whole, the whole email list thing entirely and, and put it on as a podcast. At the time when I was writing the thing, I had maybe 60 people on my list. I had been writing and putting out novels for three or four years, and I had 60 people on my list. Yeah. Um, now I have maybe 360. So it hasn't grown tremendously, but that's not what people are drawn to right now. They're drawn to lore. And uh, so, yeah. so that's, that's how lore kind of fell out of my design business. And I kind of balanced the two of them for months. Um, but it wasn't a long time. You know, there's people out there who are struggling year after year trying to get their podcast to be their job. And uh, I would say by September, I was full time. Um, wow. So March, March to September, um, four months. That's, that's, that's great. So um, I want to talk to you about actually how you're, how you're, I hate the word monetizing, but <laughs> I, I, it's, like, it's your full time job now. So I'm assuming you're making money, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Um, but, uh, so you had 12,000 words, uh, and there was, there was, that was what, four stories out of five that were done or, yeah. and, and how many podcasts did that end up becoming? Uh, yeah. All four of those actually became episodes. The first one was the first one in the, in the, the white paper. Um, I think the second one was episode two. Um, I came back later on with the third and the fourth one at different times. I didn't want to just do one, two, three, four. I wanted to see if I could actually write, you know, on so, the spot week to week. Yeah. So, so each one was about what, 3000 words. Yeah, they're roughly yeah anywhere from twenty eight hundred to thirty five hundred words. Cool, and that makes what like a forty five minute podcast? No, no, um, maybe twenty minutes. Oh, twenty minutes. Sorry, yeah. twenty minute podcast. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. That's really neat. So, the, so you sit there. So now, now you're writing. Um, is that how you sort of structure your podcast now? Is you, you sit down, write three thousand words, and um, that then you know you have like a pretty good podcast that you can make out of that. Yeah, I'm flexible with how the, the what the final product looks like, but mm-hmm. for the most part, I'm I'm going with my gut. You know that this section feels like it's like I've said enough. You know, and I can right. move on to the next section. And then I have a a pretty structured flow to how the episode needs to unfold. You know, it, it's essentially an introduction and a summary that sure. sandwich the content, and the content has historical context and example stories, and then a big story that really highlights the concept itself, and then you know, usually some sort of, um, analysis at the end. It's, I, I've looked back and formulated it. I Uh I didn't set out and say, here's, here's how I think I'm going to tackle this thing. It just kind of happened. Interesting. I I, I would like to dive into that formula a little bit more, but tell me about your creative process now. So like, are you splitting your time between writing, um, fiction and, and lore as, as, as nonfiction? I wish I'm actually, just about mostly lore at this point. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I mean, well, part of this is because of October. October, I decided, yeah. being, being Halloween, that I would do two episodes. Mm. Um, I, I would, I, instead of doing once every other week, because that's my release schedule, like yours, you know, every other week. Yeah. Um, I, I spend far less time on, on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can get to how much time I spend on it. But I, um, I, I decided in October I would do weekly episodes instead of every other week, and as like a gift, as a way to you know jump on it. I I was communicating with iTunes and knew that you know they would put together some some feature um, for scary stories for October. It made sense, and yeah. uh, I wanted to just I wanted to be able to be there weekly with the stuff. Uh-huh. So I wrote fast and hard. So, um, my, you know my my creative process is it's a mess really. I mean every episode unfolds a different way. Um, every time I pick up a new topic off my list, 
Um, it's it's so nuanced and organic. I, I just never know how it's going to go. But at the thirty thousand foot level, you know, it's 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 fairly simple. I pick a topic, I research it, I read everything I can about it, I collect all the you know the main pieces that make up the larger story, and then I I write about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I write for spoken word uh, as if I'm having a conversation with someone. You know, like we're sitting there talking. Um, I don't I don't write ums. I, I try not to say ums ex- mm-hmm. unless I'm being interviewed. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I I read things out loud as I'm writing them sometimes just to make sure that they roll off my tongue naturally. And then when I feel like I'm good and ready, I hit record and and I get it I get it recorded and I produce the episode. Um, yeah, it takes me about thirty to forty hours depending on the topic wow. to like research, write, record, and produce the episode. So if I'm doing them every two weeks there's 40 hours and then I've got 40 hours left over and the, the 40 hours of like creating the episode is spread out over the two weeks. And then right. the rest of the time is filled up with uh, the business, you know, yeah. running, running the podcast business, managing sponsor relations and um, the scheduling, the billing, invoicing people. Um, fan mail takes up a ton of time. I didn't expect oh, yeah. that, but I get yeah. a lot of that. Um, yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy. Interesting. So, so how do you go about researching topics? Um, I, I, I usually go with what interests me. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to create a, you know, not just a story, but a mood and an atmosphere. So I I really have to figure out, um, what's the right, what's the right story. Um, I get a lot of suggestions on Twitter and email and stuff where people say, um, you know, here's a really cool story, but it's a story that you can tell in 30 seconds. And I I can't do a 20 minute episode on something like that. So I have to really think and, and look for those, those topics that have the legs to go the distance. And it's harder than I thought. Which, Uh, which episode has been your greatest challenge so far? Boy, I always feel like the the most recent one is the hardest one, you know? Yeah. 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 I, I always feel like the most recent one is the worst too. And then I put it out and, and then there's always someone or a group of people who think that it's the best I've ever done. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, Maybe I'm I'm systematically making a small group of people happy every episode, and they're not all the same people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you, have, do you have any idea what, what size your listener base is? Yeah, yeah, a pretty good idea. You know, I, I I'm I'm a stats guy. I like to yeah. look at the numbers and and watch that kind of stuff. It's it's in the hundreds of thousands. That's wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. But but so like there hasn't been a topic that you were you went to go research. You thought it was a great idea, and then it turned out to be. To, it stunk. Like, was there was there anything that did that, or, um, you know, I I thought months ago that I could do an episode on uh, Krampus. You know, the oh the, yeah, it'd be a great Christmas. one. Yeah, I thought it would too. And there's there's nothing to it. Like, it's just a. It's like going and reading a description of you know Zeus in a right. Greek mythology book. There's really nothing to it. There's no real life story. There's no right. interactions that people have had with with what they thought was Krampus or whatever. There's he can be covered in a couple paragraphs. And and that was the disappointment where I thought, oh, I'd have this, I'd be able to actually do something thematic for Christmas. It's easy sure. for Halloween, but yeah. You know. Plus, there's movies coming out or movie, a movie. Yeah, well, and it's weird. The people that did the movie reached out to me prior to its release and said, you know, we love your podcast and we're doing this movie called Krampus, and it'd be a perfect thing. Like, could you do an episode on Krampus and we would sponsor that episode? Wow. And I I thought about. It. I mean, they were willing to pay an exorbitant amount of money and. I, you know, it just, it was this thing where I couldn't make up an episode about something that didn't have story. I had to, I had to say no. And so, uh, yeah, pass that up. Okay, let's go on the reverse end. How do you know you have an awesome topic? Like, like, how do you know you've uncovered something like that's been, that, that just has a lot of meat to it? 
Ah, uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I like yeah. it when there are stories, you know, something like, um, you know, you talk about werewolves as a concept and that sure. sounds very, you know, 30,000 foot. There's not a lot to talk about, but there, there have been times in history where people have really thought that werewolves were attacking their village or, you know, doing something in their area. And there was actually a, 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 a period of time uh, in the 1300s, I think, when there were more people being burned at the stake and killed for suspected werewolfism than witches ever were. And that's wow. and we always talk about witches. So it, that was a neat one to dig into where I, I thought, yeah, I'm not going to get a lot out of this. But, mm-hmm. but it, it ended up having a lot of good story in it. Um, but, sure. but I never know. Yes, true. Share with me some more surprises like that. Do you, like, what, what's been a topic that's been just super fun? Um, well, I don't want to spoil anything. You know, well, what about um, the past? Just give a little hint to what people listen to if they go download it. <laughs> um, well, you know, um, there's an episode uh, that I did called Half Hanged. I don't remember the the the, um, the episode number, but uh, it's called Half Hanged, and it's basically about a woman in Western Massachusetts in the late 1600s who was accused of being a witch. She was taken to Boston, put on trial. Um, was acquitted and brought home. She was like the, the the cranky, you know, old lady in town who nobody liked because she was just cranky and mm-hmm. and uh, she wasn't very religious and that kind of ticked off the people in town and and so they treated her badly and and in a lot of a lot of these situations that's how they would um, socially ostracize you is you know claim that you're a witch, make up some stories and you know get you thrown in prison or executed and so. You know, I, I I'm researching a completely different topic, uh, and I bump into her story, and I I just had to reinvent what I was doing to cover this because it was just such a good story. So she yeah. basically, somebody in town who was not on good terms with her gets sick and is is clearly dying, and they go looking for reasons, and they blame her. And um, what happens is just it, it was it was sad and also utterly amazing. And uh, so I, I I had to do an episode on that. Right. It's awesome. That's- so I won't spoil it, but but give yeah. it a listen. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, which episode is it? Uh, it's called Half Hanged. I'll look up the episode number for you. Half Hanged. That's 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 great. So, are you going to be taking like any of this material and introducing it into like you know your 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 fiction work? Um, probably not. I mean, mm-hmm. it. Well, I mean, in some sense, it is. It, in in a lot of ways, this is stuff that I've bumped into while researching you know fiction uh. projects. Um, but because lore is the hungry beast and I'm not writing a novel right now, I actually go looking for topics now just for lore, um, as opposed to just dipping into what I've saved, uh, you know, for, for future novels and stuff. Usually a novel would have one or two very specific legends that are, are part of the plot. And, and I need one of these every other week. So I've moved on. I've consumed all that I can for, for my, my novel material, um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of good stories out there. It's yeah. you know I, what I really enjoy with all of this is just finding finding good stories. You know, yeah, yeah. that's an author's job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> you've been so you you clearly are making money from sponsoring or sponsorships, and uh, I also thought you had a Patreon campaign. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, how, how, what's your experience been like with Patreon? Patreon's been great. Um, yeah. Yeah, at, you know, at first blush, I think it's easy to assume that it's all about just raising a monthly income, which it, it's good at, but it's more than that. You know, Patreon's helping. In, in your words, how would you describe Patreon? Uh, it's a it's a community tool. You know, it's a way for you to get your your true fans who are willing to put their money where their where their fandom is 
um, to gather Put around their money you. where their fandom is. I like yeah, that. Yeah. I, <laughs> that, that sounds like a euphemism for, I don't know what, but, but I mean, cause you can communicate with them. So in some senses, it's kind of got that draw of the email list, you know, where you can get in touch with these people who back you. Right. Um, these are all people who have paid money for your, for your product or to support the product. And so they're, they're part of a, I mean, the way that I look at this is that you can talk about audience and size and, and downloads and stuff all you want, but, but it's, it's bad math to assume that all those people will pay if you put a product out. You know, if you, if you do a podcast for five years and, and you build an audience of 100,000 people, and then you decide you're going to sell an ebook for five bucks to them and you market it on the podcast, don't expect to make $500,000, you know, mm-hmm. expect to make about, well, whatever 1% of that would be. You, maybe you'll make $5,000 on it. Because I, I think that you've got passive audience members and there are active audience members. And not everybody can afford content. You know, that's just mm-hmm. the reality of it. Yeah. So um, Patreon's been really, really good for helping me build a community about, you know, around these people who are willing to kick in a buck a month or whatever it might be. Uh, and then I can give them things in return. So you know, I give, depending on the tier that people are at, because that's the thing with Patreon is you can set levels of support, you know, a dollar a month, $5, $10, whatever. People can get PDF transcripts of my episodes. Um, I do a full color transcript magazine for the higher paying members. Um, I do extra episodes that are shorter, uh, usually single story driven that are on um, just for Patreon people. And then uh, at the end of the year, I'm going to take all the transcripts for 2015 and um, package them up into a paperback and ebook anthology. Mm. And then I'll make that available for sale to the general public. But Patreon members at a certain level will get that for free. I'll just Mm -hmm. ship it out to them. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's the other thing too, is if sponsorships ever dry up in the future someday, I've got this financial network now that, that could fund the show, you know, it'd be a lot more bare bones, but it would, it would fund the show so that Laura doesn't have to just like disappear if the podcast bubble ever pops. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I mean, these guys are your true fans, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I've got over a thousand of them, which, it, yeah, you know, you when I was getting close to the thousand mark and, and that Kevin Kelly thing popped back and, and, you know, reading the Will Wheaton article, I just realized, you know, I'm about to hit that magic thousand fan mark. A thousand people paying me. And yeah. that's, that's, it's pretty special. It means that people like what they're getting and, absolutely. and I like creating it. You, you, you've exactly 1,049 actually. I'm, <laughs> I'm underpaid right now. Yeah. For those who don't know what Patreon is basically, um, and I first learned about it uh, with, with Amanda Palmer's Ted talk, but Essentially, you can, I mean, with her thing, she, she literally will, you could, she'll create a thing per month and you give X amount of dollars per thing. Right. Right. And, and, um, so, I mean, obviously your thing is your show, but you also provide kind of like Kickstarter and, 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 you know, the more money you give, the more things you get. Um, yeah. But there's also like a private forum too, right. Where, where you get to speak with people and, and no one else gets access to that unless you're a backer. Is that right? Yeah. And people send me messages through the system. I can reply through the system. Yeah. We can, Yeah. A great it's, way of interacting nice. with an audience. That's it is, yeah. Wonderful. You know, I kind of, it's funny because you know how you're telling me that you were saying about the mailing list and how that doesn't really have any uh, quantifiable return, right? There, there's, you know, you can maybe get, you can guess at the percent. Was the mailing list you said that when, when you wanted to go sell a book or something? Um, well, you, you're saying you had an audience, right? And you don't know how much you're gonna, money you're going to be able to make off of something when you, when you present it to that audience. Yeah. But what's awesome about, the, about uh, Patreon is that you do know how much and yeah. um, it's almost worth just giving up everything else and just, and just trying to just grow that list. Not that will grow your list of patrons. Well, it's, I mean, it's certainly a, a garden, you know, like if yeah. you don't tend it, if you don't, if you don't give it what it needs, then it will go away. Right. But, but if you take care of it, it's, you know, things that are in the garden, the people that are there, they're going to stick around. They're going to love it. They're going to interact. 
and it'll yeah. grow, you know, it'll go bigger. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's what's happening with the show, which is, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Um, so do you, what, what tools do you use to put all this stuff together, like to write? And so um, I, Evernote, as I mentioned, is, mm-hmm. is my, you know, all encompassing tool for storing notes and research and whatnot. I, I actually write in pages on the Mac, mm-hmm. um, kind of like their, their word competitor. I like the way it looks. I like the way it functions. Um, and then I just export right out of that as the PDF that my $1 a month Patreon backers oh, get. No, it's just a, like a basic uh, PDF transcript. Right. Um, I, I write my novels in pages as well. Um, most people use Scrivener, and I use Scrivener for storing the finished word and like for stats and progress and exporting ebooks and things like that. But at some point, my Scrivener app stopped underlining misspellings. Oh. Um, and I, I don't know why, but I've heard a number of people say that it's happened to them. And then there's, even though the checkboxes are all checked and, and done upright, I can't get the, the red underlines to come back. So I basically write in pages where it, it, I don't know, it just feels more natural and I can see everything right. And then I copy and paste when I'm done with the chapter into, uh, into Scrivener. Wow. And then, yeah. So everything lives in there as like, it's kind of like my book building software. Yeah. Um, for, and, for, for uh, yeah. Yeah. For 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 ebook actually for yeah. for the for the, the 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 paperback I actually go back to pages. I have to use an old version of pages uh, that has the two up view where you can see both pages at the same time. Uh, yeah, and you know set you know like your page number is going to be on the outside left and the outside right that kind of stuff. You can't do that on the new version, so I've kept my old one around so I can do that. And that's where I lay out paperbacks. Interesting. I should probably shift over to InDesign, but. Uh, yeah, it, it's the thought of creating like 300 pages and putting the text box on each one just to, and then linking them together just exhausts me. And there, there's probably a simple way to do it, but at this point, I just like pages. So that's yeah. what I use. And then I use iTunes. I'm not into any streaming systems outside of Apple Music, I, but I've always got to have some, some music on. That's what drives me, something dark and instrumental. And, yeah, what are you listening you know. to? Um, I, and I love Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. Um, I, I, would, I would hope you'd be listening to some little, little, little dark it, yeah, it's a little, <laughs> little moody. The the key with with writing words is it can't be anything new. Yeah. Um, it, it's usually instrumental for me, or if it has words, it's something that I've heard so many times I don't hear the words anymore. You know, like right. today I was writing, I wrote like two thousand words this morning while I was listening to Pearl Jam's first album. But mm-hmm. I've been listening to that album for nearly twenty five years. Yeah. So I I didn't hear the words at all. I just there was noise. There was there was rhythm and beat, and I and I wrote. So that's got to be going on when I'm writing too. Yeah, but, it, but outside of that, I'm, my, my setup is pretty simple. I don't carry a notebook around with me anymore. Um, my phone is there to capture any ideas in Evernote if I have them. And, you know, I sit down on my laptop and open up pages and I just start tapping away. So does, uh, how, do you keep, like, how do you keep yourself like, on schedule and so like, organized? I know your creative process you know, was, a bit, was a bit all over the place, but like, do you use any like, to-do tools or any like, ways to keep yourself so efficient? Yeah, but you know, uh, running a design business and doing client work for you know eight years or more, uh-huh. that really taught me a lot about like budgeting my time and and scheduling tasks and managing a calendar and stuff. So I use at this point I use Todoist, yeah, um, which I like because of it's got the web component, apps for all the different devices and platforms. Um, it's it's nothing fancy. I don't need a ton of nested contexts and. And projects and stuff. I have a pretty simple system when it comes to putting an item on a to-do list. The name of the task for me starts with the time I think it'll take me to do it. So, you know, mm-hmm. 30 min was 30 minutes. I do a dash. I type the name of the project. 
in all capital letters. I do a dash and then I type out what I have to do. And mm -hmm. it's it, so I don't have to tick any boxes or do a drop down to find the right project name. I just type it all out in the right way. And then when I'm looking at my list for the day, I can see, oh, all together, these, these tasks add up to 14 hours. I have, <laughs> have too many things on my list today. <laughs> so I, I can manage my list pretty nicely that way and, and kind of you know, spread them out across the coming week. Yeah. Um, so I used to Todoist for that. Um, I've, I've got a mixture of Google and, and Apple Calendar um, you know, like feeds or whatever going around sure. for my family and myself. Um, I use Calendly to let people uh, yeah. sign up uh, appointments to do interviews and stuff. That's, uh, a, which that's I, a great tip because um, Tim Grawl actually pointed me towards use. I, I use you can book me, but it's so awesome. You just say, you know, you just build a schedule yeah. and just email someone and say, pick one, pick a day and it, yeah. it does everything for you. Yeah. Absolutely. And then you take the link to your whatever calendar system you're using and put that in something like text expander. If you're on a Mac, that's yep. you, you've got to buy that. And then yep. um, I, I've got, you know, scripts for fan mail responses for things that like, Aaron, where do I find your transcripts? Sure. Well, I need to, I don't need to type out the paragraph that I need to use to explain that every single time. It's in right. Text Expander. It's still personal. I will still go through and edit things that that snip it out. I'll sure. you know I'll I'll tweak it to fit the person's needs, but those things save me a lot of time. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and then I just I'm a I'm a guy who likes rhythm. I like a I like the same thing every day. So yeah, um, those things keep me on on target. It's a lot to do, you know. Um, yeah, like I said, half half of half of the two week interval for it, and that, but that see that's where I've 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 shifted is design production was every day there was just a job to do. Yeah. And now I'm on this weird two week schedule where, you know, like at uh, the beginning of the two week cycle, I'm researching and I'm outlining and I'm writing, and then the second week I'm doing you know recording and production. The whole time I'm doing social media and communications and business and. It's weird. There's a weird rhythm to it. So the list has really come in handy with repeating tasks and not letting me forget what I need to do. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I want to back up real quick because I totally forgot to ask. Like, so when you first released Lore, the first episode, yeah. did it immediately blow up? What, where was the tipping point? Uh, it did not. It, I, I think my first day I had 70 downloads. Um, what I've heard is that most podcasts out there, the vast majority never have more than a thousand downloads a month. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I don't know enough people doing podcasts to, to test that number out, but that's kind of what I've heard. Um, 70, 70 in the first day wasn't bad by that metric, sure. but it wasn't like, oh yeah, now I can sign up you know, Squarespace and they can fund me for the year. That, that wasn't <laughs> going to happen. So, um, it was, so I, I released the first episode, it was March 18th of 2015. And um, nine, year, nine months ago tomorrow, actually. And... I, so March and then sometime in April, I noticed a bump to my downloads and I, I didn't know what it was, but I was, it was like twice, twice that I had had the day before. And I thought that's weird. And then the next day it was like 10 times that number. And wow. I thought, now what is going on? And I, I didn't know enough to know where to look, but I ended up going to iTunes and noticed that they had put me in the new and noteworthy section, mm -hmm. which, you know, it puts you on the front page. It's, it's highlighting to some degree. There's a lot of noise on any homepage, but but I was there at least, and uh, and people were downloading it. They were they were picking it up and listening. And then a couple months after that, iTunes reached out and said, "We want to feature you. We want to put oh, you in wow. the, the sliding banner up top." And that saw an even bigger bump. Um, 
And then it just continued to climb. October was a really good month doing the the weekly episodes. I was interviewed by the Huffington Post and the Guardian. Yeah, um, got a lot of eyeballs and a lot of ears uh, turned toward the show. And uh, it's it, but it's it's pretty much just been steady growth ever since that first little bump. Mm-hmm. And I can you know I can just I watch this nice little nice incline going upward every episode, which is nice. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, so before we before we wrap, uh, I, I you have another podcast too, right? About working from home is 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 that? <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Um, almost four years now. I think I think my my friend Dave Kalo and I um, we started it almost four years ago. At the time, he was writing for um, the unofficial Apple weblog, which is an AOL company um, uh-huh. called Tua T U A W, and um, so he was working from home as a telecommuter. I was working from home for myself. We thought, well. Let's do a let's do a show about working from home, you know, um, staying productive, business practices, you know, that kind of stuff. And uh, it's it's a small show; it's pretty tiny compared to to what I do with Laura. But it's got a, a fun <laughs> I think crowd. Most and, shows are probably well, tiny compared to Laura, but, yeah. but but yeah, that's good. I mean, if it's yeah. sort of tiny, that's probably pretty pretty successful. Yeah, well, and it's probably as big as it is because it's on the five by five network, so it gets a little bit of attention just by being in their directory. What's five by five? Uh, Dan Benjamin, um, you know, back to work with Merlin Mann, mm. um, you know, shows like that. Um, five by five TV, uh, slash homework is the, uh, the, the address for the podcast. But again, you know, just, a maybe, maybe, you know, four or 5,000 people. And, how, how often do you, how often do you work on that now? Too? So we still do that weekly actually. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. I record it in my spare, spare, spare time. And, uh, when you're not recording interviews with other podcasts, <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, interviews and writing and it's, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that to-do list must really come in handy. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's, that's fun. And, um, Dave and I have very different perspectives on some things. We're right on the same page and other things. It's kind uh-huh. of a nice, it's a talking head podcast. You know, it's two white guys talking about technology and how busy uh-huh. they are and email. And, you know, there's a lot of shows like that out there, but yeah. it's fun. We enjoy it. And, you know, while we can still do it, I like doing it. Yeah, that's great. Um, so what's, what's, I mean, it sounds like Laura's what's next for you. Is, is, is that true? I mean, you're just going to double down on this or any new plans for Laura coming up? Um, there are some, there's some things on the horizon, some amazing yeah? things actually. I can't share them just oh, yet, but um, okay. I know. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, you know, new biweekly episodes of Lore is is always my top priority. I got hungry listeners, you know, and yeah. uh, I want to feed them. So yeah. um, I, I think for the most part, my audience just wants to, like, they're so afraid of this season um, format that a lot of shows do, like Serial. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. Serial was big. They, they blew up podcasting. Mm-hmm. They did, what was it, 12 episodes and then took over a year off, like 14 months off. And I understand that they were researching and writing and producing the next season, mm-hmm. and that's how they do it. But I, I think that they're afraid that I'll just disappear for months because yeah. of because of that. It's becoming more pervasive out there. Shows that will they'll do a series and then they'll stop, and they'll either stop for good or they'll stop for a while. And uh, so I always tell people, look, the good news is I'm just going to keep doing this every other week. I want to be like clockwork. You can count on Monday morning waking up. Open up Pocket Casts, and there I am waiting for you. You know, so hopefully I'll just keep plugging away at that. But there's there's some other cool stuff coming up. I just I just can't talk about it yet. Not even like a hint of it. Some sort I of- mean, you know, there's there's topics people have really wanted me to cover that I want to cover in a format that's a little bit different than mm. one twenty minute episode. Um, I'm exploring 
how I can, you know, can maybe do yeah. that. Um, yeah. yeah. I've got a book, you know, the book that I released um, earlier in the year, Grave Suspicion, I've got the sequel on, on my list for January or February that I need to start digging into that. Um, just start I, writing it. Yeah, I just got to, you know, just from a writing perspective, when it comes to fiction, my process is I, I'm a plotter. You know, yeah. I'm not a pantser. I don't, I don't go by the seat of my pants. I like to sit down and outline the snot out of my books. So yeah. I, that's where it's time consuming. Like, um, it, not time consuming. That's where it's brain consuming. You yeah. know, where you have to sit down and iron out all of the little intricacies of the plot. Like how, why would the character do that thing? Well, I've got to explain that. And oh, I, I guess I can't have this thing happen after that then. And so I have to, I have to nail down the outline. And that's going to take some time. What I'd like to do is get ahead a couple episodes on lore so I can... I can just have a good week where I do nothing but focus on the new book, mm-hmm. um, buy myself a little bit of mental energy. And then if I can get the outline done, then it's just a matter for me with my writing. I just show up every day, look at the outline and say, what's next? Right. Oh, that's the section I'm writing. All right, I'll write it. And then I write it. You know, it's, it takes a lot less mental energy. So I could be writing a book while doing lore as long as I get that outline done. So I just need to get to a point where I have time for the outline. That's great. Yeah, I'm a big outliner too for that very reason. Yeah, it, it keeps you on task. I mean, if you want to write every day, which which all the all the best writers out there say, look, you've got to read every day and write every day. Yeah. You know, Stephen King hammers that home in on writing. Um, then build an outline because it's really good at keeping you really taskmaster oriented. Like, all right, next step on the outline today. You never have to ask the question, what am I going to write about today? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, um, the story grid is actually really good. I, I don't know if you've, if you've seen that at all, but the Sean Coyne's an editor. Um, they created this book called The Story Grid, and it does a really good job of of sort of giving you a, like a, a frame in which to hang your story on. Okay, and um, a lot of the things like it, uh, it's a they start Tim Grell actually created a podcast with Sean Quinn, and it's, it's doing pretty well. It's not doing Laura well, but it's doing pretty well. <laughs> and, um, uh, but it's amazing because really he basically you know he makes you start thinking in scenes. And uh, there's certain obligatory scenes that you have to commit to uh, for your genre. And um, once you've got those, you know, once you've got those on paper, then you know, okay, I got to write 1,500, 2,000 words just right. to do that. And and people can get their brains around 2,000 words. It's really hard to get your brain around 90,000 words. Right? Yeah. But when you break it down to small little components, uh, yeah. you know, you can, you can chew right through it. Um, well, that's great. That's awesome. So, so, so where can people find out more about you, Aaron? Well, you know, I live in a couple of places online. Lore obviously has its own website. It's lorepodcast.com. And uh, my professional persona, I guess, lives over at aaronmankey.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and both of those sites have, I believe, links to my Twitter accounts. You know, there's Facebook pages, Instagram. Basically, if you're looking for lore, it's lore podcast everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, and uh, And hey, if you follow along, say hi, because I like to meet new people and I try to say hi to everybody and say thanks to everybody who says nice things because I don't want to be one of those elitist asshats who yeah, doesn't man. talk to people. It's a great. That's a great word, asshat. Yeah. I love that. I love that yeah. term. Yeah. And and for all for all you listeners, the reason I reached out, Darren, is because you know I appreciate a, a well produced uh, product. Uh, you know, kind of like a radio lab or something like that. And and I listened to Lauren. I was like, oh, this guy really cares, and you're doing it well, man. You're doing it right. And I, I applaud you and, and everyone needs to go listen to it who hasn't yet. <laughs> well, thanks. I really Check appreciate that. Yeah. No. I mean, that, you know, people, I've had people write to me and they're like, I want to get into podcasting. I just don't know what I want the show to be about. Yeah. And, and I'm like, you know, you're going about this completely backwards. Like you have to know what you want to do. 
find the right medium for it. Maybe it's going to be a serialized novel series like, you know, Sean Plot does. Like, you know, like maybe that's what it's going to be. Or maybe it's going to be audio, whatever it's going to be. Um, but I'm, I'm driven just by this desire to create, you know, good story. Because I think mm-hmm. that's what people really connect with. I think we're missing that. The internet's yeah. kind of isolated us. And, but podcasting has brought us back to the campfire. You know, we can sit around in a virtual community, you know, in one day, all these people can listen to the same story and, and it's great, you know? Yeah. So I, I want people to connect with these things. I don't want benign stories where you just like you walk away and you're unchanged. That, that doesn't make for a good podcast. Yeah. So not a, not a good story either. I want something that's cancerous, you know, I want it to get inside people and, and eat away, <laughs> you know? So that it, 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 however people take that, I'm probably offended half your listeners, but oh, that's, um, that's you know, great. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, we, I, I'm glad you like the quality of what I do. I, I think that, you know, tell good story and, and aim for quality. Or if, if anybody ever asks for advice, that's what I always tell them. Just, yeah. you know, so. I, I definitely think we are a society in desperate need of, of Palaver, of, of that campfire, of, of just, you know, reconnecting with, with the old story. You know, the story yeah. that sort of connects us all. And, uh, you know, there you go. Yeah, applaud absolutely. You for, applaud you for bringing that to the surface. <laughs> Thanks, I appreciate that, man. <laughs> All right, Aaron. Well, it's been a pleasure, and and I, I hope we speak again soon. And um, thank you so much for for appearing on Bleeding Ink. Thanks for having me. For more episodes and giveaways, head over to www.bleedingink.fm. That's www.bleedingink.fm. If you want to help me out even more. You can go check out my book, Modern Rituals, The Wayward Three, on Amazon today. And if you like what you're hearing, share the show. My goal is to get this show into the hands of as many writers as possible. So share it with your friends, your family, other writers you know, and let's make this happen. And also, I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm a software guy and I make tools for writers. Check out jslauthor.com. That's for J.S. Leonard, jslauthor.com. There you can sign up for my mailing list, get free tools and all kinds of awesome stuff. Thanks for listening. The ink is run dry. See you next time.